this podcast is given to you by Arloka David Smith, teacher and founder of the Dharma Mind Buddhist Group. For more information, please go to dharmamind.net. coming to this free talk, I just want to introduce Aloka, who began his practice apparently in this room 40 years ago, um, so it's been a, it's a full circle for Aloka now, and he's the leader of the Dharma Mind Group, which a chunk of us are members of, um, and I know he's very excited to give this talk to us and to everybody else here who's assembled, so I'll just pass over to Aloka, then we get started. Thank you, Mike. I don't know if excited is the right word, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, can I first thank the Buddhist Society for allowing me to give this talk, the generosity, and also to thank all of you for coming along this evening. <clears throat> there are lots of familiar faces, but there's also a good number that I don't recognise. So, anyway, thanks for coming, and I hope you find... Um, what I have to offer, uh, you're going to find some useful for, for, for your own practice. Um, I know many of you <laughs> know, li- know little or, or nothing about me, and it's no good me just going on. Um, I've got to give you some context. So um, I'm going to have to give you a brief history of my, of my training and what, what I'm doing now. So you've got some, you've got a form to, to be able to, obviously, I mean, I haven't just, you've got to know something about your speaker. So, um, so I'll, I'll start by going through fairly quickly about, uh, about my history. So, like I say, at least you've got some, some sense there. And for me, this is a very nostalgic um, event because this is the room where <coughs> I actually started my training, literally, uh, 40 years ago with the Zen group, with the resident, the residential Zen group, run by, as she was known then, uh, Ungard Schlogel, <coughs> and later became Yokioni, ordained as a Zen nun. And... Uh, I have, I have, well, fond memories and enormous gratitude um, to, to the group, and and uh, so many of those memories were actually formed in this room. I used to come and sit twice a week, so I never meditated before, never, um, and I always used to sit either against the wall there or the first row in. <coughs> Every time I can, you could actually sit where you want, <coughs> as far as I, I can remember. I never do sit on this side, so I don't know what that means. But anyway, that's where I sat, and I actually went through a lot. Um, you know, I think most of you know that Zen training is very uncompromising and very, uh, th- very hard. I mean, some people find it easier than others, but generally, because it's an uncompromising practice that you just here it is you do it if you don't do it right we'll let you know and this is what you have to do otherwise you know that's it so there are no options when you came in and I used to sit and I went through 
just the, the, the physical difficulty of um, of of half lotus, which is what I train myself to sit, sit in, um, can be hugely difficult. For me, it was horrendous. It was really difficult, I have to say, because um, physically I'm not that sort of supple. And but but above beyond the the, the physical, there was also, of course, the emotional, the the, the mental and the emotional um, reaction to just learning to sit still you know how simple as that sitting still and yet when it comes to it most of us know sitting still is a massive challenge and yet it's such a simple simple thing to try and do and I went through so much I went through a lot of depressions actually which I've never had in my life before and I sat through the, through those and, and got supported kindly by my teacher. She was wonderful for me then at that time. And also the support of the Sangha. Used to sit in this room, really, really difficult, but looking around the room and see everybody still upright and feeling like, like a life jacket was around me that just held me while I sat through these things. And I learned so much. <clears throat> the ability to bear with and stay with your stuff is crucial. Anyway, it wasn't all bad. I also had a lot of lovely experiences, including several over in the in the gardens here when we used to have weekend sessions. That was uh, quite a, a memorable, um, memorable experiences from over there. Anyway, I just wanted to say that because, you know, this is... It, an important place for me, an important place in, in my training, because if I hadn't stuck with it, oh, so easy to run away, so easy to go and find a, a more circumspect practice, something where you get lots of space and you can do what... Um, but for me, I decided Zen, I mean, I like the philosophy, I like I liked what, what, all the teachings, and uh, no other tradition actually particularly interested me so it was then or nothing and that's one of the reasons why I stuck it through but learning so much in that time so so much and then after five and a half years I found myself without going into <laughs> into the mystery of the whole thing I found myself in Theravada robes in Sri Lanka the complete opposite I see the two Zen and Theravada the complete opposite on the spectrum in terms of I don't know, in terms of practice and understanding because it's different. <clears throat> and also that that commitment. Uh, Theravada is a very gentle way of, of training and which suits many, many, and it's a great tradition. And I'm very grateful to it for the time that I, I use that form and it helped me a lot. <clears throat> and uh, after a, a year, just over so 1981, um, I had a breakthrough to my my true nature um, and that changed my life as you could I'm sure um, accept it's a to put it mildly it's a life changing event and I spent the rest of my time in Sri Lanka maturing that practice and I actually when I saw my teacher because I took on a teacher in Sri Lanka and he actually told me after, after the event to, to actually to travel the world and teach. And uh, when I finally stopped laughing, <laughs> I, said, I said, you must be joking. <laughs> Much as I respect you, 
I am not ready for, I'm not ready to do that, no way, I'm, I'm miles away from that. So instead I um, concentrated on my, own, on my own practice, which in Zen terms that can often be called um, protecting the advancing host, for those of you who know these technical things. And uh, I, I did that actually for 18 years and I never told anybody except my teacher here was the only one who knew and I lived a very quiet life on the whole in East London got myself a flat, lived in East London I had a little I, I, I did some garden, I was the resident garden in Amravati a couple of times in that time and I also briefly just come back and, and sat with the group here but but they were just little little things along the way I sat, I sat for 18 years until what was awakened got so big within me I couldn't I couldn't restrain well I, I couldn't keep it to myself because it didn't belong to me anyway holding back and not giving what I should be giving so it just made me come out as it were and uh, a manuscript that I wrote several years earlier um, I managed to get it published and when it got published uh, of course it changed Again, it just changed everything from my quiet life in the east, east end of London to, uh, to being a part of a, a big Western movement now known as the Tree Ratna community. Um, and I practiced with them. And, uh, of course, people knowing my position, because they read the book, they wanted to come and sit with me. So without me doing anything, and I can promise you there was never any ambition or plan to do anything. Um, slowly people just came and sat with me and had a little group little retreats and what have you and ended up leading lots of retreats all over the UK and, and abroad um, but, 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 but me and, and Tree Rat they never really we never gelled my, my understanding of the Dharma and how they practice is, is really quite different actually although of course all Dharma practices have great similarities they're not, none of them are exclusive to the other because there's only one path so we're all on the same path so it's, it's just different ways of going about it and uh, eventually I found that um, you know, I had to leave and I started my own group which is the Dharma Mind Group but in fact I actually had a group going for several years before that but it wasn't sort of officially named as it were and so uh, the Dharma Mind Group came into being and again believe me it was never an ambition I did not project on it in any way I just left it alone and I thought well if the Dharma wants me to do this it can lead because I'm not um, but of course I gave I was, I was wholehearted in what I did I wasn't reluctant but I wasn't at the same time planning at the future I just let it, let it run and um, that's where we are today uh, the group's going it's healthy we've got students from the north of Scotland who happens to be here today somewhere <laughs> and uh, we've got a very um, healthy group in Dublin we have local groups in, in the country and we have retreats very very regularly there's one this weekend Easter, Easter weekend and on we go and it's, uh, it's, it's, they're all totally predictable. Nothing's changed. If you came to one of our meetings and you came 10 years ago, it is identical. 
I don't I don't do entertainment. I just do the Dharma, and take take it or leave it basically. Um, and so, as I say, that's that's where we are today. And our practice is is actually a reflection of my own practice. Um, is what's come through me, and I'm expressing what's inside of me. I don't um, I don't well I don't read books, and I certainly don't you know copy other teachers and what they have to say. Uh, it's all totally my expression of the Dharma. Um, and it's been that way, of course it's been that way for me for, since, since the very beginning. Um, but once I left this group, I dropped the koan, but I never put any labels on what I was doing. I just followed what was obvious for me to, 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 to follow. And I never put labels on, I never put labels on the group actually. And it's only when I came across the 12th century uh, Chinese master, Hong Zhe, uh, who was a great influence on Dogen, who came 200 years later. Um, it's only when I came across his teachings that I actually found one that was absolutely identical, <clears throat> harmonized perfectly, but also the language of silent illumination, which just hits the button. I've never, I've never com- come across a label to, to hang around a, a practice or a meditation practice that um, is well I've always been uncomfortable with labels anyway <coughs> but this this one I embraced and so we, we, we do mirror we do mirror th- that teaching which is Soto which is the imminent model which is which is the acceptance that you you already um I don't want to use the word enlightened but we're already with our own Buddha nature Buddha nature is present it is already whole and imperfect and it's for us to simply wake up and discover what's already there nothing is added, nothing is taken away that's what makes it a very simple practice we don't heap loads of different stuff on it um, practices and upayas and stuff uh, we, do, we do have two or three things to help, help, help along but it's, 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 you know, it's there to be used but not to be get caught up with and so I consider what we do is is a mirror of of that practice. Soto, except it's not Japanese, the Japanese culture. Um, it doesn't have any of those of that that, that type of mentality. Um, but it, it is it is the bare it is the bare teaching without without the culture, without the history that that that, that, that creates the form that gives it identity. We don't have any other identity, but we have the essence. And so I consider what we do is quite... I'm tempted to say unique in the West, that we have a training that I would I would absolutely support as being totally authentic traditional practice, but it doesn't have any, any Eastern influence. And also, one of the crucial aspects that makes it, I think, unique is that we haven't added anything to it and we haven't taken anything away because Western teachers love to play with the Dharma and they, don't know, I don't know whether we just want to leave their mark or whether they think it needs to be more Westernized because somehow us Westerners are different to Easterners which I don't, the culture bit, once you get into the culture, I, we're, we're all the same, we've all got the same makeup just below the surface and um, 
and it's for us to, to, to discover that. So it, 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 it is really, it's a Western group, absolutely. We don't, have, we don't carry any Western, uh, Eastern um, trappings in any way. But the actual teaching itself is, 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 the, is the pure original. And I would be very happy to, well, not defend it, because I, I don't do things like that, but if anybody would like to qu- query it. Um, and I think that's what makes us unique. Because we're always, as I say, we've always got to leave that. All Western teachers have got to leave their mark in some way or another. So that's the group, and that's what we do. And this is what we do. This is we just carry on. Um, and that's my life at the moment. Just just running it and, uh, you know, just keeping my eye on things, basically. And so that's, I think that's the framework that I can offer you about me and the group, because I doubt many of you have heard of the Dharma Mind group. We're not exactly world famous, and I'm not exactly world famous, or even famous. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done anything naughty since I've been a teacher, so I'm not, I can't even claim to be infamous. (laughs) Which, you know. Well, many teachers, that's how they get their identity, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, no, I'm afraid you won't find... Well, well, we'll take back to 2000. Beyond 2000, just just leave that bit alone. 2000 onwards, um, you know. It does, uh, it does sharpen, sharpen your, your, your practice up when you become a teacher, big time. Really, it's quite amazing, actually. Shinji Suzuki mentioned it once as an observation. He says, you don't really practice ethics until you become a teacher. And I, and I, I would agree with him, actually. Um, anyway. That's the way it is. Um, and that's the framework. So from there, um, you know, all of my teaching, all of my teaching, and there are literally dozens of videos and audio recordings um, all of my teachings point directly to the centre to the heart I don't, I, I, don't, I don't do periphery stuff I don't go wandering off on angles and different perspectives and entertain you with different ways of which is fine you know maybe that's a, maybe that's a limitation of mine that I don't I don't I don't make it broad enough what I do is is I, as, I, as, I, as I just focus on, on the heart of the matter, as, it, as, it's, as, it's, uh, as it's called. And everything, that when I focus on that, it, it's just perspectives on the heart, not added, added ones on, but just a way of looking at the centre. And, um, you know, various teachings have come out of that over the years, and it's all recorded and stuff. And something, well, it's, it's been there since, since, literally since the beginning, but it's something, something that's come to me very strongly, because a lot of it's actually reflecting how things are for me at this time, actually, I have to say. And that's why these things become clear to me. It's the importance of silence, and the need to look at silence, and not see it as... You know, one of the one of the, one of the features, one of the many features of Dharma training, but actually, see, as it is a, a crucial feature, it is non-negotiable. It's not something you can say, "Oh, yeah," and then push it to one side. 
and then continue to continue with your practice and, and not regard it as being absolutely vital and I think I think actually it's the main focus and it's to look at silence and ask yourself what is actually when you think about it it's the simplest thing you could ever you could ever aspire to just to be silent mentally silent emotionally silent physically silent it's not complicated just let just just to be still and I think all of us, I think most of us have got a, a training, will know that, that um, to find that silence is, 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 is very difficult. <laughs> um, obviously we're all different. Some find it more easy than others. Some never find it. But I think even though you have great difficulty and, and you may have a lot of other things that, that you focus on in your training that wouldn't apply to, 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 to my group but I know I'm talking to several groups here and actually there are people who are not even Buddhist but I think this subject applies to all if you consider you have a spiritual practice this applies to all of us because silence brings us close to the, to the source of our aspiration <clears throat> in fact without silence you're never going to find it And as I say, most of us find, you know, just to be silent, because our particular training is not, it's not, it doesn't have any clutter in it at all. It's just about letting go and being still and being silent. There's not a lot of baggage, but there isn't any baggage, actually. That's what makes it so wonderful for so many of us. Um, but to pull it off is, is massively difficult, even though you've been doing this training for many years. It, it, it's not a given it's something you need to sort of cultivate and bring that, bring that, bring your focus to finding that silence, silence, stillness. Uh, silence, silence, silence means silence of mind. It doesn't mean silence of environment, with the car going by or the aeroplane. That's not the silence that the Dharma is pointing to. The silence is, is pointing, the silence means to have a quiet mind, a still mind, an empty mind. A mind that actually doesn't think at all if you can actually experience that. And then when you look at that and you think, well, this is the simplest thing in the world, isn't it? There's nothing complicated about silence. I don't have to go looking in a dictionary to, to discover, to, to find out what this, this word means. This is not some Mahayana esoteric word, uh, some Sanskrit word that even when you find the meaning, there's like ten meanings, and then there's a lot of controversy and a lot of arguing going on about what it actually means. Silence. Everybody knows silence. Simplest thing, and yet, and yet we can't pull it off. Why? Why can't we pull it off? There's a reason for that. There's a reason why you can't find silence. And the reason why we need silence, stillness, is that it, it creates a platform a platform for us, a stillness. And when we're still, we are, we are very close to the Dharma. In fact, it's what the Dharma needs, is, is to be still, uncluttered. And the Dharma, as far as we're concerned, the Dharma is already within us. The truth, the wisdom, your liberation is already there, sitting, waiting for you. You don't have to go make it. You don't make, you don't make the Dharma. How can you make the Dharma? 
Only your ego can do that, but you won't. You won't be able to do it. The, the, the truth of that is that you'll only get silence when you learn to let go. Everything. Learn to let go. Everything. And ask yourself, why can't I just let go? It's not difficult to understand, is it? And yet I can't. I can't do it. Therefore, you need to investigate that because that that, as I like to call it, a, a platform. That platform there is is the platform that leads to your liberation, that leads to leads you to get to know yourself, what you're about, this world that you create for yourself, that you get lost in, that you get hooked up on, that you get well, you become enslaved to it. You don't actually you don't actually control it. It controls you, and uh, and you follow it and you feed it and you run away from it, and you hide behind it. All these, all these emotions, everything within us that comes out uh, of that experience is, is this samsaric world. And that samsaric world is your creation. 100%. Your mother doesn't create it, your father, your boss, your wife, your husband, and all, and all the emotional people in your life that we love to say, it's you, you're, you're making me like this. It's your fault, it's out there. No, this is one of the basic principles of liberation is that you have to own everything that you think, say and do. You have to own it and take responsibility and never ever dump it on somebody else. And that takes years to do that because we are so conditioned on dumping. It's, not, it's how we defend ourselves. It's how we rationalise ourselves and rationalise our habits that we have. And uh, it's always somehow it's always mixed up with others. Well, sooner or later you've got to realise, and it takes a long. It can take a very long time, and this is what the whole insight path is about: is that you've got to take responsibility because you're the creator. Nobody's created it, but there is a way out because you created it. If somebody else created, how could you get out of it? Think about it. Not possible. But if you created it then you can uncreate it. That to me is the great liberating message of Buddhism actually. And that's the third, that's the third noble truth. There is a way out of suffering <clears throat> that leads you to the path that you can interpret in so many ways and go about in so many ways. But that's what you do. If you're practicing the Dharma, you're practicing the, 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 the actual path, the, the fourth noble truth. That's, that's the Buddha's path. And it, as I say, it comes in all variations and change. We don't even use the word eightfold path. We seldom break it up, actually. It's not done in Far Eastern Buddhism, in this particular training. But in other, other, tra- in other trainings, other traditions, it's absolutely number one. But nevertheless, it's still the same path. And, and, to, and to, to get to that place and to see that, as I say, it takes a long time, but the only way you're going to see it, and so that it's genuine, it's not just your ego playing playing games again, is that you you have to create an environment of stillness. And when you do, you're opening yourself to the Dharma. The Dharma doesn't come through when you're busy. You create an environment for the Dharma, and with skillful means and, and understanding, you can you can look into who, who what what makes you who you are, see the truth of all of this stuff that you've taken to be real, how it got there, and it completely turn your your life upside down or, or 
turn, turn your whole uh, samsaric perception, turn it on its head, and see and begin to see what you're doing to yourself, what you've done to yourself, what you're doing to yourself, and all the dukkha that you create, because outside of that samsaric world, there's no dukkha. <coughs> there may be pain, that's the way it is, but dukkha is your creation. And, and to see that, this is called awakening. You're beginning to what you you begin to awaken the moment you come to this training. It's not some major event, which is you know is a is a major event. But f- from the beginning, you are you are on the path of 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 awakening, and that path can only only become fruitful when you have stillness, when you have silence. It's still so the dharma can rise. Not only that. <coughs> Not only can, can you see your, your sangsaric world, and what, but also you can see beyond it. And you can actually see the truth. You can actually see reality. And this indescribable wonder that we all live out of. But how many of us really appreciate it because we're so caught up in ourselves that we're blind to the, to the beauty, to the wonder, to the gift of life. We take it for granted it's all me we don't see we don't see what is what is under our nose what is who we are actually and it's here it, 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 you don't make it you discover it it's called it's called awakening you wake up like you do in the morning when you're sleeping and you slowly you come round and you come round and all the dreams you've had in the night fade away and you wake up into what is what you consider to be your reality anyway your bedroom and familiarity of all of that so it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty good metaphor that you've gone from, although, you know, that becomes questionable also at some point, but at least the, uh, you know, that that very crude dream state fades. You see it. When you see when you see your suffering, even though the habit can be very strong, the more you see it, the more you get familiar with it, the more you will let it go. It's called non-attachment. And the reason why you suffer is attachment. That's not complicated. You don't have to m- make a big issue of this. The reason why we suffer is because of attachment. Right? That's it. Period. If you don't attach, you don't suffer. End of story. So you don't have to go read 50 books to, to come to this realisation and make it so, oh, what's all this about? It's actually the simplest thing. You can't believe how simple this is, actually. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's, child, it's child stuff. You know? That you see, you see that it's attachment, and then you learn, you learn to let go. And when you learn to let go, the mist begins to clear, and you can begin to get a sense, and in, even an intuitive sense, that there's something beyond me. There's something mysterious that's going on here. You're beginning to, you're beginning to make contact with your true nature, which is here, waiting for you, waiting for you to just to turn around and discover it. Uh, and and that so you, you know you, you've got this this samsaric thing that, that, that you've absolutely got to get to the bottom of because it's the it's the it's the block that, that stops you seeing reality. You have to work at that, but also because of that stillness and the platform, the environment rather, the environment that you've created for yourself, will then begin to reveal what is what is the truth, what is actually going on here, what is what is the truth of who you really are. And, and reality, and it's, you know, it can be, you know, you're going from the negative to the positive, 
and it's truly wonderful. And when you get little tasters of it, you can look back on all the suffering that you've gone through with this training, be sat in that corner over there for five years, and think, I've given nothing up. To have a taste of reality just is just, you can't describe it. But that reality is who you are. You're not discovering something over there. You're discovering what's in front of you now. Right now, in this moment, while we talk, you see that. So that platform, that environment, is crucial. Without it, you go in circles. You feed the self. However you change the self from being a bad person to a good person... Um, and all those, you know, lovely refinements that you can do, that's not knocking them, but that's not taking you into the heart of the matter. And when you look at that, you think, well, what is it about? It's about learning to be silent. It's about learning to be still. So you reflect on that, and you've got your cushion that you reflect on. But if you stop there, then you're making a big error. Because actually that silence, the maturing of that silence, that crucial part of you that without it, it this ain't going to work. Uh, you have to look at, look, at, look at your life in the round and see what can I do, reflect on my life and see, see your mind, the, the, the restlessness, the madness of your mind, the noise as Eckhart Tolle calls it, the noise that just, well, you know it's a noise, it's a pretty good description, actually, because most of it is just nonsense, isn't it? Uh, but it's that that's stopping you from finding stillness. And you look at that mind and you see what you've created for yourself, because that mind is often very much reflecting, is reflecting on, 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 on your daily life, on your personality. That's the thing that's kicking this on all the time. So you come to your cushion, you have a busy life. You come to the cushion, you want stillness, and you wonder why you don't have it. You can't, you can't do this. Oh, I want to be still now. I want to be busy now. It doesn't work that way. That busyness is, is deeply, deeply, deeply habitual. It's what defines your personality. And to let it go is a long and arduous journey, a very difficult journey, a very challenging very often fearful because what you're doing is you're letting go of this, this security that you're desperately trying to create for yourself, this me thing uh, and the personality that, that, that supports it that surrounds it and I am this type of person and what you're basically doing is that you, you, you're, you're letting go, you're not dismissing you're just learning not to be so attached and when you learn to be non-attached things begin to dampen down and you begin to get at least some way closer to this silent environment that is crucial. So you look at your life. What do you what, 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 what do you what do you do? Here's us Westerners, this material world. Look at your life. How busy am I? For the moment I get up in the morning, I'm off, thinking about the day, the work, the jobs, all the things. <coughs> Make a list of the things that you've got to do today. And, uh, and, uh, and and just ba- basically block yourself out from what's around you. You don't you don't even see what's going on. It's like you 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 come into this mechanical part of you that can actually operate 
quite well. It doesn't need you because it's conditioning and it will just run and do its thing. Uh, and this is what you do. And of course, you know, when you're busy, and I'm, I'm generalising here, this may not, obviously may not apply to all of you, but like, a, you know, the average person has got a job, he needs to get up every day, go to work, earn money, support themselves, family, whatever. And the pressures that go with that, all of that stuff, and you're caught by it. And you go from one thing to the other. You just look, look, look at these things. How much control do you have on these, these things that you do in a day? Are you in control? Because if you are in control, you can say to them, okay, I've got five things to do today. I'll do the first one, I'll be wholehearted, I'll, give my, I'll be at one with that, with that thing. And then I'll, then I'll take a little break, a break in between, go and have a breather, go and have, just, just let go, in other words, and then do the second thing. All things have a beginning, middle and end. Go through from the beginning, middle and the end, and then let go, and then move on to the third thing. How many of us actually do that? How many of us actually start something, and as soon as we start it, or soon after we start, we're already on to the next thing? And we're thinking of the next thing to do when we've not even got halfway through the first thing. Hmm? Who's the boss there? Are you the boss? Don't sound like it to me. You're not in charge at all. You're not the master. You're not the master of your life. You're the victim of it. You've created so much busyness in your life, in this material world. We've got not just work, but at play and all the, you know, all the things that we, we, we have interest in. That, that we, don't, we don't experience any stillness in our day. You know, we, 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 don't, we don't get it. So what, what that means is that when you're not still, you're estranged from yourself. It's like you don't exist as, a, as an entity. You're so caught up and so chasing and so... And you know, you know one, of the great, one of the great virtues of the world that I think women, women tend to consider themselves to be the masters, but I think uh, it doesn't any, they're, they're not only the ones that can pull it off. It's this um, multitasking. We all have to do it in our lives at some points. Circumstances come along. We can't be rigid. That happens, but we don't have to make it a habit. We don't have to make it, I'm going to do six things in the next hour, or, or today even, or whatever, and be proud of your multitasking. And people brag, I'm a, I'm a multitasker, I'm very good at Or women can multitask, men can't. Well, for the most part, that's probably true, and there's no doubt there's all sorts of biological stuff going on there. But anyway, but you cannot do six things at the same time and be with yourself. It's not possible. You're completely lost in this samsaric world that you've been, full of self-identity, full of ambition. Ambition is the thing that drives us. Goal or I don't do this unless there's something in it for me. I'm doing this because I want to get that. And that's what drives us. Whatever it may be, money or something, people. doesn't matter. I'm doing this in order to get that. Always self-interest driving us all the time. And as we all know, I'm sure most of the time that when we, you know, even if we actually manage to fulfil something, whatever, it just sort of melts away and then something takes its place. And there is no space when that thing is fulfilled. It's immediately filled up with the next thing that you've got to go running after. And so your mind 
is never still. You are never still. You are so estranged from yourself. Do you know that you're here? Do you know that you're here now, sitting in a chair, being still, nothing to think about, just listening? Or are you caught up in lots of lots of thoughts, somewhere else, being somewhere else, rather than being here? It's called, you know, whatever you want to call it, being in the moment, the now, and all, and all of these... Uh, labels that we put on we put on this experience but that's the place where your liberation is in the now in 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 just in just here and just being here and when you are here when you are here you 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 created this this um environment for yourself it's clarity where it's like the clouds part and the sun shines through it illuminates this is the illumination that things become bright and you see and you know. That's what illumination means. You have the silence. Without the silence, you don't get the illumination. And that's why silent illumination is hyphenated. They are never two. You can't have one without the other. And it's for us to... Now, as I say, you may not be Buddhist. This may not be, you know, your, 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 your aspiration, your vision of things... But there's a principle there that if you have other other aspirations, that you still need to, to cultivate that stillness, that silence, so that you so that you can access even if even if it's your God. Develop that 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 create a path, so that you feel at one with your God, and He can help you if that's how you feel, and you can talk to Him by all means, which is always very helpful. Uh, so it does, this is not a, this is not a Buddhist thing at all. This is for those that have spiritual aspirations, because it's a it's a basic principle of fulfilment, of 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 being still. And in that time, there's non attachment. You're not attached. And you know, shall I tell you when you're when you're really still and you really feel that you're present, and you see your see your samsara and see its characteristics. Your samsara either lives in the past because you're, you're thinking of the past and all, and all your life, even if it was only today, yesterday, never mind the history of your life going back. All of that plays out. Or the alternative to that is that you're projecting into the future, thinking about your future, maybe worrying about your future, and all the things. The whole thing is 100% unknown. You don't know. But nevertheless, we spend our time, our life, in the past or in the future. <coughs> When you're present here, there is no samsara. It is a real, it, 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 it is a real opening. That there's an opening there for you to, to discover who you really are in that stillness. And again, we come back to the stillness. We come back to the silence. Because without it, it ain't going to happen. I mean, you can say that's a Buddhist thing if you like, but that's that's the profundity of of silence. It brings you when you're silent, you're here. You're not in the past. You're not in the future. You're here, and there you you have a, you have a liberated experience because you've learned through your training to let go. You let go of this. You let go of this, and find yourself here. So it's not some dead empty thing, boring. My God, it's, it's, it, if you if you think that's boring, I can tell you it's the most wonderful. Ex- you're, you're opening a door 
you're leaning on the door that will bring you the most wonderful experience that, that you could have well you can't imagine them it's, it's not worldly it's not, it doesn't fit into 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 your you know you, don't, you can't put it into a box like you can everything else when you're in the world that silence makes this possible and you need to look at your life like I was saying review your life if, if, if this if this is if this is important to you if, if this is important to you to, to fulfill your spiritual path whatever it may be there is a characteristic that unifies us all that's because what you're doing when you're when you're pursuing your spiritual path uh, you're letting go of your worldly your conditioned worldly life and when you do you can discover it so we need to work on this attachment that we've got that just blinds us that we become like a like a slave because that's exactly what we are we become so habitually caught by this thing that that's actually driven by this notion of a self and in Buddhism it states quite clearly there actually isn't a self it's not, it's like, not that it's misunderstood and it's actually something else there actually isn't a self there it literally is not there that's what Buddhism will teach us, and that's that's that 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 that's an insight to see and to know, and something that you will never give anybody else because it's <coughs> it's mad. Because I have a self, I am this self, I am I am this personality, and I've got all of this habit around me to prove that I exist. But if you can get to the point where you see that that self is a, is, is a con, then when you've got a self you're always going to have attachment by definition but if you can let go you won't have a self when you're not attached in places of in times of real quiet when you let go when you're silent and you're not chasing and holding on to anything you're in a selfless state there is no self there it's not like it's resting somewhere thinking look at me how peaceful I am how wonderful I knew I could crack this practice um, it literally isn't there but that doesn't last very long and then things throw up through habit we then start to grab and it's all about reaffirming me it's a self-identity everything is self-identity and we're desperately doing this all the time all of our lives and the reason why we we never stop grasping if you not realise that if there was a self and it was looking for identity it would find it quite quickly and then it would be at peace with itself but the fact is it never stops doing this for the simple reason that there isn't one there in the first place so it's never going to be fulfilled it can't, it's impossible and that's where we go this is a very very important feature of the spiritual part and knowing the self and how it creates the issues in our life whatever, whatever path you follow and how we're taming it, we're, we're training to get ourselves away from it and, and focusing on what we aspire, what we consider to be the truth. It's all, it's all around that self thing. And I think everyone, everyone admits that, that self is the, the, nub of the, the nub of the issue, the nub of the problem. But it's about how do we get to that, that silence of mind. By all means, it's, it's fulfilled, it's nurtured at its most strong if you meditate 
and do it on the cushion and get the familiarity you know you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> of, of, of stillness and the other characteristic of stillness even though there's nothing there we can be terrified of it we see it, we taste it and we've lost ourselves, there is no self that's why we feel frightened and, and we, we, we run away from it we put something in its place we go and grab at something so then you feel I'm alive, I'm here, I'm here. So, okay, everything is alright I haven't fallen off a cliff, I'm here that's what we do and you, that's, you, you have to get familiar with, with, with silence with stillness because there isn't anything there or so you imagine but that's, you're just beginning to open a door there don't imagine that's, that's the truth of it because it isn't <clears throat> so we have, even have to get familiar with what is a, a natural condition silence is, is, is our natural condition it's not something that we manufacture we rediscover it and we get familiar with it and as we get familiar with it we have to learn to let go of this thing that's desperately doing doing this and so we bring new pious into our lives we make our lives simple as, as we possibly can we learn to take charge of our life be the boss of be the boss of my life not be its victim that just pulls me all over the place and i've got basically i've got no control over it but actually saying something's coming up it's all habit we're just like machines practically everything that, that, that we experience that we go through with this is, is, is habit it's like a machine it's, been, it's all been manufactured but then we identify with it but actually it's, it's a concoction <clears throat> and what is it called habit it's karmic karmic stuff that comes from recent or past or whatever it doesn't matter it's there in front of us and, 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 it, and it comes along and you see it coming, and then and then you use the most the, the most difficult word that you that that, that that you can use on the spiritual path, and that's no. When a habit comes, we say yes. It's, it's taking the easy way out because we're familiar with it. We learn to say no, no, I'm not doing that because it's it's not conducive to my happiness, and it's just creating my own. I'm just creating ducker for myself. No, not doing that. And that's where you learn to bear with. Because everything inside of you, because it has self-identity, because it's a habit, because it has power, is propelling you to pick up that habit. And you have to bear with it. And this is what I learned sitting in that corner. Learning to bear with stuff inside of me that didn't want to do this, that wanted to just get lost in my in my fantasies and not face the truth of things learning to bear with not run away when it's difficult not give in but learn to say no and bear with as, as, as much as you possibly can and there's more to that bearing with than just simply bearing with that physical um, reaction that you're getting what you're doing is that you're saying no to the thing that's filling your life continually and you begin to open and you begin to give space to things and begin to see and you know one of the major major features of that of that sense of self because it is, it is nothing but insecurity there's not an ounce of security in it it's the sense that when we're that, that when we become still we begin to get close to to our existential reality which is one of 
separation and loneliness. When we're busy, we can we can block off loneliness. Loneliness is, is I think, from my experience, probably the most wretched experience you can have. Not run away from it by doing something and forgetting about it. And that's why we're so busy so often. Because we're frightened to be still and see ourselves. And just be with ourselves. See that naked, through naked awareness. We, we can't do that. We, we, have to, we have to fill it up. But if you do this training, you have to slowly learn to just create space and not, and not fill that gap when that loneliness comes to you. And not try to do something with it, but learn to bear with and to stay with. It's, it's, it's a very, very crucial feature of, of, of the spiritual past experience. And that applies to all of us. Because it's the self that we... And that sense of loneliness that comes from this self-identity. That you're, that you're lonely and you're separate. Space between me and you. This is why we feel lonely, because we, we, we all sense a gap. A duality. But actually that duality is created by your mind. Unbelievable. Yes, because it's, it's so clever the way it works. It deceives all of us. It has nothing to do with intelligence and education. It deceives, we're all utterly convinced of the dualistic world. None of us realise, and actually, I'm actually creating this dualistic world. And if I can learn to, to let go of this self thing and, this, and, 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 and bear with and go through this lonely thing, because loneliness comes from separation that that's, that sense of separation begins to dissolve and, and you begin to feel more whole and more at one with everything. You lose this, this sense of, of loneliness. How can you be lonely when you're at one with humanity, with everything? There's no place for loneliness. It only exists because of what you've, what you've created and you have to keep filling up all the time. Oh, I feel lonely. Let's, let's do something. Let's be busy. Let's be busy so I don't have to look at this, so I don't have to sit with it. Sit with the, the pain, the emotional pain, the darkness that that evokes. You have to learn to sit through all of that. So that the more and more we can cultivate that, which is not on the cushion, it's off the cushion. The more that we can do that, the more when we come to the cushion, we are be- better placed to find the stillness. Because so much of the rubbish you've let go of. You've let it go. You haven't chased it, you haven't fought it, you haven't got in in, in a fight, you haven't got in conflict. We don't do conflict. We don't do conflict. We do we do we do forgiveness and, and to embrace ourselves with all with all of our faults and have no opinions. Say that well this is the way it is and embrace. And if you don't feed that conflict because that conflict only exists because you are in conflict. You are fighting yourself or you're fighting others. If you can learn to declutch from all of that, you will come into oneness. You will come back into the whole. And that's where this will take you. You become more and more aware uh, of the importance of silence, this thing that actually is not a thing at all. What is, what is, what is silence? Where, where is it? Is it an object? What colour is it? What does it look like? It's not there. It's nothing there. To get familiar with that, and we have to get familiar, because it's, 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 it's pulling the rug from under the self. That's why we can't pull it off easily. 
we put we, 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 we nurture that we nurture that we get familiar with it so important familiarity with that and not be frightened of it that it's okay to be silent not to do anything it's alright just be there and make friends with it and when the turmoil comes make friends with that and you know the dharmic way of making friends with turmoil is not to do anything this is the wonder of the dharma this is what makes it unique the wonder of the dharma the, the, way, the way your world is transformed is that, is that actually when it comes to it you're just leaving as it were like two fires you're leaving two fires that you are forever throwing fuel on you're ever you're ever you're ever encouraging these fires to go so these fires are going all the time and this sense of conflict goes on all the time and what's what's the way what's the dharmic way of dealing with a fire the worldly way is to chuck buckets of water on and stamp on it and all the rest of it but when all of that material dries out it can come back into fire the dharmic way is just to stand back look at it no opinions not good not bad all all the stuff the stuff that you don't like to look at leave it alone make friends with it by opening up and staying with it and that's a fire and if you don't fuel it by reacting what happens to a fire when you don't put fuel on it it's inevitable there's only one thing that can happen to it but the difference between the the, the, the dharmic way of putting out of a fire and the worldly way is that the dharmic way when when that fire burns out there is no more material which means that that thing that you were caught up in is gone forever you throw buckets of water on it yes you, you succeed temporarily but when it dries out at any time when, when the conditions come it will be off again and that's why we keep falling into these same old things over and over the dharmic way the wonder the, 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 that makes it totally unique because the dharma doesn't belong to anybody it doesn't belong to Buddhism any school traditions in Buddhism it doesn't belong to the world so you can't you can't manipulate it you can't own it and, and play with it and, and do and, and, and try to think you can do things with it oh no you have to let go of everything that's around it and just allow it to to shine through in, 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 your, in your life. And it will transform you without actually without you doing nothing. But you have to learn not to do nothing. That's You have to learn to let go of your habits. And when you pull that off, then you'll get the stillness. When you get the stillness, you begin to illuminate. You begin to say, What? You begin to see the truth of who you are, not who you think you are. You've got to be kidding. It's like, am I a masochist? Am I just trying to destroy myself? You know? It's just following the same habits over and over and over again, throwing fuel on the fire all the time. Whoa! And so you learn to, you learn to let go. It's called non-attachment. You just leave it alone. And slowly things fall. And then you become ever more into that zone, as it were, of silence, where you can see ever more, ever deeper. And so the Dharma can come and transform more and more. You don't, you, you, you don't, you don't transform. The truth is here, it's already with you. Trust, trust it. Get this thing out of the way. Allow it to shine into your life. And I think, you know, I think there's a message there for all of us. 
um, as I say, whether you're Buddhist or not, I mean, that's my background. I talk in those in those terms. I'm, I'm not, you know. I let, I let my other religion go many many years ago, but that principle, I, I, I am sure, is there for all of us, and whether it's in our culture or other cultures, it's it's finding ways of letting go of this self thing, and whatever traditions and and practices and. Um, ceremony that's been that's grown up all over the world over the centuries it's acknowledging this self that we have to let go and find what we believe will be our saviour that, that, that I can't go I, can't, I know the Buddhist angle on that but I'm not, I'm not all I'm saying is you need that platform all of us if you've got a spiritual consider yourself to be on a spiritual path you need that it's not it's not optional if you haven't got it it ain't going to work you're going to be forever caught by this thing it's not going to work you need to focus on it and whatever practice you do whatever you do keep that as, as an absolute major focus that that stillness what do I need to, to bring that stillness into my life? What do I need to... What habits do I need to change? How do I change my life? So that I find that stillness, that silence, that silence of mind, that stillness. So as far as we're concerned, you're discovering your true nature because that's your true nature. You don't make it. And it's already there. Discover your true nature. And the more you can you can get closer, the more you can become familiar the more you can open up and accept bring it into your life through whatever skills uh, that your that your training offers you then you are fulfilling you are on the path of 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 of, of creating creating a creating that, that that environment so that your your aspiration your the fulfillment that you that you reach out for becomes possible and that's why I think that silence is a very very important thing to have so that's what I offer you um, I understand the uh, as I haven't been around here for a long time uh, there's a, a Q&A which I'm quite happy to and we can do a Q&A if you wish if anybody's got anything to to say, to ask, um, the floor is yours. Hello there. That's a very common question. <clears throat> In some ways. <clears throat> You start off with ambition because you're conditioned into into, into ambition. You're you're, you're conditioned into <clears throat> I'll do this in order to get that. <clears throat> you don't know anything basically unless there isn't if there isn't something in it for you, you don't do it. We don't do that, especially us Western people. Very rarely do we do something and not want something we do. It does happen. It's not impossible. We can all do it actually. Certainly, like a mother and a child, as unconditional to just. Give, give your child everything and never ask for anything in return. For example, 
we, we can all do that, but we are, we are quickly conditioned in our culture, in our, in our material culture, to be, to be ambitious, to be goal-orientated. That's how you get on in life, is to, is to learn something, educate yourself, learn something, and get goals to go for. And that's like your focus, that's what you do. And when you come to the Dharma, when you come to the Buddhism, how could you have a different mind? It, you know, I'm talking from the Buddhist perspective here. How can you possibly not have a different mind, an ambition to, I don't know how you, how you want to characterise, how you want to describe your, your ambition. Do you want to go to the end of the line? I want to be awakened, I want to be enlightened. Or do you just say, well, I just want to be a happier person. I just want to have a more a more happy, peaceful life. All this garbage I'm carrying around with me. I don't. I don't really want to look beyond that. But nevertheless, it's still ambition, and it drives you. But the more you get to understand the nature of ambition, you see that's where the dukkha lies. That's where the self lies. That you're doing it in order to get something, and that's a, that's that's at the basis of you know, what, what, what drives us in life with what we do. So you have that in, on the spiritual path when it says, well, we don't actually really do ambition. But you've got ambition and you can't do any... You're conditioned. And, and the thing is not to make a problem of that. But slowly wake up and say, I, I don't know, I suppose you could say it's a, a paradox, I suppose. You see more and more that the, the, the basis of your angst it's because you're always grasping, you're always after something. And you look at your training and see, well, hang on a minute, <laughs> you know, I've got ambition here too. I want to be this, that and the other. And you, and you think, well, this, this has got to change because it's not going to work. It may work to a degree. You, you know, you, you can change yourself with ambition. You know, you can become a, a lot more wholesome person, uh, for sure. <clears throat> but if you really want to slowly... You've got to realise, you know, the, the thing that, that that you desire, and you see that it's this grasping thing again. You see more as an aspiration. Now you can get s- semantic with these words. An aspiration to me doesn't suggest grasping in the same way, that same intensity. And slowly, you you, you learn you learn to let go of that. I I, I must have this thing, and realise what you're doing is probably the to be honest, the best thing you could ever do in your life, the most human thing you could ever do. This is called becoming a true human being. And maybe for the first time in your life, see something beyond this grasping thing. <coughs> that there is, you know, that there is, there is a fulfilment that doesn't actually require me to grasp, but actually grow into the spirit of what I'm doing, realise what I'm doing, and to become ever more at one just, just with, just with the act of becoming a human being, but not project from that. And I'm going to become like this, and I'm going to become like that, and let that whole thing dampen down. So it becomes, it becomes, you know. I think anyway, there comes a point at some time, and it may take years to get to this point, where you get out of bed in the morning and you just do the training for, the, for its own sake. You're not going anywhere. You've got no, but you know what you're doing is. Is is well actually it's the pinnacle of 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 of, of, of human um, attainment of possibilities and see that it's you're becoming a and j- just the fulfilment of become a, a a true human being that's something that can 
help others, um, it becomes it, it becomes an aspiration. Without, but but it's very much the spirit that comes within you. It's not words. It's how your relationship changes with your training, and you let go of that. I want, I want this, I want that. I want the next stage and the next stage. Just let it all go, and trust, and trust what you're doing is 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 the right thing. And if you trust, get out of the way. There is a natural process that will take over, where you lose ambition, you lose that crudeness of 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 getting something because I'm doing something because you can see the relationship between ego <coughs> and all that, and you just learn to le- let it go, leave it alone. Uh, but but still, you know, learn to fulfil your life without that. And I tell you, that's that, that's a that's a big step because <coughs> most of us are racked with ambition. Even Buddhists have been practicing for years because they haven't got what they want, and they can be doing this for fifty years and they never get what you want. They want, and then it's very easy to become cynical and all the rest of it negative. But if you let go of all of that, how could you possibly be disappointed? But but the truth of it is the way that it works that if you do it right, fruit will fruit will fall or come up or whatever, and 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 let you know that what you're doing is you know you're doing the right thing. It's 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 it's, it's a different relationship that you've got to feel your way into, but you can do it. Keep seeing Sunanda's camera. Though. I think he's got his arm up. Sorry. That's all right. Don't worry about it. I've I've clocked it now. It's not you, it's not your arm. <laughs> yeah. Um, just thinking about past lives. How does that fit with the idea of non-self? Thinking about past lives. Well, some Buddhists do. Some Buddhists don't even go there because it's. It's um, speculation. What what matters? What matters? Where your feet are in the here and now. This is where change t- takes place. You know, to know your history back through lots of lives. I don't know what that proves. It just seems like you know a lot of attachment, a lot of, a lot of self imagery. I would say. I mean, I would like to know. Um, I certainly know. I certainly know the truth of, of, of rebirth. I've seen it very clearly, and I do know that it is an endless cycle. I have no. <laughs> but to date, I've never actually seen the contents of one of those lies. I would love to see it, but I ain't gonna. I'm not gonna go chasing after it. If it suddenly pops up, great. I'll enjoy it. I expect. Oh, well, I hope I will. With some a mass murderer or something <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm about to get my comeuppance after all of these lies um, I'd like to know out of interest but I, 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 I've, never, I've never been tempted I've seen the temptation but I can see the distraction by golly and the attachment the way you can get lost in this t- t- just take you away from where your feet are and you're only going to get to know yourself where your feet are you're never going to get to know yourself by knowing your past lives. <laughs>